0: Good evening. Praise the Lord. We're going to get started here. We could almost just move everybody up here to the front two rows and huddle up and stay warm that way, I think. <laughs> we're going to get started anyway. So why don't we stand this evening and uh, let's just open with a word of prayer and we're going to worship the Lord tonight. We're going to, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and, and warm us, but also move and touch lives tonight. Amen. Let's worship. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, for your presence we felt this morning. Lord, I thank you for the breakthroughs and the miracles that we saw this morning. God, the answers to prayer, Lord. And I pray that even though there's only a few tonight, that you would come again and let your presence be known, that you would come and touch lives again tonight. Lord, fill us, empower us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. We pray for a fresh outpouring, a fresh renewing of the Holy Spirit and power tonight. God, we love you tonight. We thank you, Lord. We glorify you for all that you're doing in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes,
1: amen. Are y'all ready to worship? Faith, we're gonna let you lead tonight. We want everybody to go follow faith, okay? (laughs) Come on and give the Lord the high. Shout, shout, shout all night, all night. And when I think of his goodness, what is up for me? When I think of his goodness, how is that decree I can dance, 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 dance all night, all night? And when I think of his goodness, what is up for me? When I think of his goodness, how is that decree I can pray? Lord, the highest praise Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, y'all are warmed up now. So now we'll really start praising. Thank you, Father. Yes, God. There is a light that burns in the darkness. There is a hope that washes the fear away. There is a peace that settles around us. It is a love that sets our hearts ablaze. Let's sing that again. There is a There is a light that burns in the darkness. There is a hope that washes the fear away. There is a peace that settles around us. It is your love that sets our hearts ablaze. So set our hearts ablaze, God, yes. Father, we're on our knees with every There is a mercy strong enough to save. We're feeling rising up from the ashes. Glory, Father. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you, Father. Holy Spirit, have your way in this service, God. Have your way in this service. fragrance of hair. fragrance of heaven pour your spirit out pour your spirit out sing that again we need a fresh wind the fragrance of heaven pour your spirit out pour your spirit out for hearts that burn with holy. Purified faith and deed, finer's fire, and what we need. So we, the church, bear your light, lamp of flame, city bright, king and kingdom come is what we pray. And we need a fresh wind. The fragrance of heaven, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. A holy anointing, the power of your presence, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. We need a fresh wind. And we need a fresh wind the fragrance of heaven pour your spirit out pour your spirit out a holy anointing the power of your presence pour your spirit out pour your spirit out prophesied of heaven pour your spirit out pour your spirit out a holy anointing the power of your presence pour your spirit out pour your spirit out pour your spirit just keep playing. Oh, we're going to wait here in his presence. We wait for you, Lord. Open this place Lord. We need a fresh time.
0: Just take a moment. Let's just worship him. That song says, pull your spirit out. Can we just cry out to him? Lord, we need your spirit. Lord, we pray right now. Pull your Holy Spirit out on us tonight, God. God, give it a spirit. Give us a spirit of peace, Lord. A spirit of direction. Lord, a spirit of wisdom, God. Lord, a spirit of, of, of unity, God, in this place. Lord, just pull your spirit out on us tonight, Lord. Lord, your word says, if any two or more come together and agree on anything in your name, that you'll be there. Lord, we ask, pour your spirit out. Lord, come and dwell in this place right now, Lord. Just pour out your Holy Spirit right now, God. Fill us, Lord, with your strength. Fill us with your power. God, fill us with your holiness right now, Lord. Lord, we come before you, God, just asking, please, Lord. Here's my cup. Fill it up. Overflow it, God, into everything around me. God, fill us with your power, your spirit right now, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Pull your spirit out, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 We glorify you, God. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord a hand clap? Hallelujah. 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 And God good all the time. Amen. I love it when He just pours the Spirit out on us. We may not, we may not even be ready for it, but He just pours it out on us. Amen. Kind of like when you get caught in that rainstorm, you may not be ready, but man, it just comes anyway. Sometimes the Holy Spirit says, you need this. You don't know you need it, but here it is. And just pour it out on us. Man, I pray every day when I wake up in the morning, Holy Spirit, just pour it out on me. That's what we was talking about. We need to go around and anoint. I said, yeah, we need to anoint. We just need to dump gallons of it. But that's what I believe the Holy Spirit just poured out on us. Amen. Amen. If our ushers have come, let's take up our tithes and offering. Don't forget to get a bulletin. If you didn't get one this morning, lots of stuff coming up. Uh, February is kind of a busy month. We've got a new Bible study going on for the men. We got Valentine's Banquet and then our normal regular stuff. So, uh, and, and I don't know, men, if you noticed out on the, the welcome desk out there, there's a, uh, some scriptures and stuff for the men's Bible study. Be sure and pick up one of them. And uh, be prepared when you come. That's a lot better to be prepared when you get here than it is to get here and have to, you know, start reading it for the first time. So grab it so you can be prepared, and we'll have a good discussion. Amen. Let's pray over the offering this evening. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to give to you, Lord. And I pray that you bless, Lord, whatever comes in, no matter how great or small. Lord, bless those that can give, those that can't give, Lord. And we pray that you just use this, Lord. Multiply as you did those fish and and the bread, Lord, and to, to, to reach thousands, Lord, with just a small little bit, Lord, that we have to give you. We thank you because we know you're faithful to do that. And we love you in the name of Jesus. Amen.
2: Tonight, amen. We come out in the cold, we love the Lord. god did for me i've been in your place now through eyes of faith i can see
3: all for you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I can just say thanks everyone for allowing my family and I to come and just join in. And you've made us feel comfortable. So if you didn't mean to, you sure did, <laughs> but we are thankful to be here. And, uh, my brother, as you know, we go to church out at Wilson, where he pastors, and and this week he's been sick. In fact, for the last several weeks he's been sick. He called me yesterday, and he was sick. <laughs> he wasn't able to, to go for this this morning, and I said, "Well, Jim, I'm kind of tied up right now." <laughs> so anyway, he uh, I think he finally found someone, but. Uh, I just appreciate you letting us join in. It's so easy and convenient to drive just this close to the church each morning or each day, and it's really a blessing, and we thank you for it, uh, letting us come by and share with you. And uh, this cold weather hasn't really been conducive to getting us all out together. It might get us closer together, but I, I don't think we. it kind of works on our numbers sometimes. But uh, anyway, we're glad to be here. And uh, this morning, I just i made a comment to the, the singers that uh, Dennis, he always picks up, he's sharp to pick up a song, of course, wherever you're trying to go. But my wife is not able to sing. She used to, but she can't uh, really get up and be with us anymore uh, in the service. And then uh, the the singer picked it up right up in the course, and I thought that was the most beautiful worship course. I just, uh, we just flowed into that. We've been talking about this, this afternoon. That just ministered to us, and, and we appreciated that. Tonight, I want to uh, share with you some things. I'm going to talk to you about the fire. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is a Pentecostal church. We ought to talk about the fire quite a bit. But I'm going to talk about another fire tonight, a little bit before we get to the real fire. Do you know there are, there are different kinds of fire? There's different kinds of temptations and trials and things. So I'm going to pick up some reading, and I'm not going to read that much because the whole chapter 18 of the Gospel of John deals with where that Jesus is being taken into custody. It deals with when uh, uh, Judas sold out the Lord and how he brought in some of the the guys and and introduced them to Jesus, who he was. And it was, a, it was just really a, a, a dark time all through that chapter. And I've, I've read it and tried to glean the good stuff, but sometimes you just don't find all the sunshine you need. And this happened to be one of them. And, as I, and I'm, I'm going to read in verse 15. I'm going to kind of pick my scriptures a little bit here, just to give a setting for what we're talking about. In verse 15, it said, And Simon Peter followed Jesus and did another disciples, and disciples known unto the high priest, went into Jesus unto the place of the high priest. And Peter stood at the door without. I want to read that again. I don't know if you caught that or not, but it really stood out to me. But Peter stood at the door without. In other words, he hadn't come in. And then it goes on to say, Then went out that that other disciples which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door, and brought in Peter. Then saith the damsel to the keep the door by Peter, Art not thou also one of the man's disciples? He saith, Peter says, I am not. We know back over a little bit, there was a time Jesus told Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me. And you remember he made a big deal out of it. He said, no, 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 Lord. I'm, you can count on me. I'm your right hand man. I'll never sell you out. I'll never deny you. He really made an emphasis on that. But Jesus knew what was going to happen. Isn't that wonderful? The Lord always can anticipate. He knows what's going up. We don't know sometimes. And don't you think it kind of is amusing? It must be to the Lord. He knows what's going to happen, and we are just all dead center. We're going to go this way. And the Lord said, oh, oh, hold it. Oh, hold it. You don't know where you're going yet. And then we find as we come on down the scriptures, get down to verse 25, and this scripture said, then Peter, then Peter, our Simon Peter, stood and warmed himself." Now, I didn't read several verses there, but I can fill that in fast. Here is where that they had brought charges against Jesus, trying to find a way to incriminate him, and he keeps answering them, asking for a witness, asking them to examine the circumstances, but they just rebuked it. They they was not looking for the answer, the truth. And Peter realizes what's going on. He knows this thing is not going in their favor. He sees and feels the impact of the influence of evil in that time. He feels the powers of darkness closing in. It doesn't take a prophet sometimes to realize it's just not going right. And that's what he's beginning to realize. He sees what they're saying. He understands what's going on. And he can imagine it won't be long until they will take him away. They're calling for his blood. They want to crucify him. And Peter says, I don't know if I want to be in on that one or not. Well, he doesn't say that, but his actions prove that he's beginning to get cold feet on this dedication step, you know what I'm saying? And he says here, and Peter stood and warmed himself. Now that's a fire that you don't want to get too close to. For these are the people that are standing around, they're talking and and they're talking whatever, they're talking about him being crucified or killed or whatever. And Peter's kind of standing in the crowd listening to that. And probably the more he listened, the closer in he got. It wasn't long until he was right in there by the fire himself. And let me just say this as a warning, and it's hard to say that too strongly because we got, we got the dedicated church here tonight. <laughs> Here's the people that you can depend on. So, But let me talk like the house is full. And we'll talk like there's people over here that need to get saved, and maybe a few over here. I'm not for sure. (laughs) So we'll we'll try to spread this thing out a little bit. (laughs) I'm not going to hit down the middle too well, so you folks are are free tonight. (laughs) The fire, you know, it's easy to back up to the wrong fire once in a while. Yeah. You ever do it? That's it. I have. I'm gonna tell you I have. Before I realized it, I was in the wrong company, warming by the wrong fire, listening to the wrong conversation, being in, you said, you didn't do that. Yes, I did. Sometimes you can always fail by not doing the right thing, when you know it ought to be done. Sometimes that fire is alluring and it pulls you in. And I remember back years ago, there's not that many old people here. <laughs> I started to say I might be the oldest, but I don't know about that. <laughs> we, we won't cast votes right now. <laughs> but I can remember when I was young that there was always that attraction to be a part of the bunch. Yeah. You know, we always wanted to whatever the gang was doing, we wanted to be a part of it. And it's important, identity, personal identity, and have that kind of support when you're in that level of your life. As you get older, you become more secure and less dependent upon what others think and say. But there is a time that time that's very important, and I remember back those days myself, And it was very attracting. It was pulling on me. It was, I'd rather have the approval uh, of everyone, though I didn't really feel comfortable with it. Are you with me? Yeah. Yeah. But I would kind of seek out that place where I was, where I could be a part of the gang or a part of the bunch. But you know, as we get older, that still hangs in there a little bit. Sometimes we are careful what we can hold up. Now, I think I mentioned this, and I don't mind telling you again. I do repeat myself, but I am older, so I can do that, and it's (laughs) legitimate. So I repeat myself often, quite often, in fact. I remember when I left here uh, in 61, and I headed to Fort Chaffee, Arkansas, if some of you might remember that time, that I, um, we dedicated the building on Saturday night. It wasn't a big building, but certainly better than what we had. We dedicated on Saturday night. We had a, uh, we got the photograph at the house, packed house. Sunday morning, I resigned the church and preached my farewell message. Sunday afternoon, I put my wife on a bus and sent her to Harthor, Nevada, and I took off to Fort Chaffee, Arkansas. That takes four hours, four hours of self-pity. Four hours of feeling sorry for yourself. Four hours of accusing everybody else of getting the best deal and you got the sorry deal. Mm. Huh? Yeah. I drove along and you know, I'm gonna be honest with you. You may not want to admit it, but I'm gonna tell you the devil talks to me. Mm. And sometimes I listen and that was one of the times I listened. I was driving along, and he said, you got a bad deal. I said, you ain't joking, buddy. You had to leave your family, you left the church, and you're going down to no telling what. And I said, boy, did you nail that one right. I, don't you hate to uh, know that you've been pinned down, that you, they got the goods on you, and there's not a thing you can do. Just, yeah, you're right, I, I missed the boat and I drove down. I had four hours of self-pity. It's it's terrible. Don't ever go to the party. (laughs) It's awful. It's not as good as I thought it was going to be. I was at this party, and I was driving along, and the devil was talking, and I was listening. He said, you know, you're not going to do very good down here. You're going, to, you're going to lose out. And he began to name all that bad thing. I said, oh, no, okay. that, that, that's not me. He, oh, yeah, he said, it happens to all of them. I said, oh, no, 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 no. I talked to the devil. I, I, I know y'all are going to say it. I didn't know spiritual people talk to the devil. I do. Sometimes I have to tell them to get behind me, but anyway. As I was traveling down, I came through Fort Smith, then I came to a little town called Barling, Arkansas. I don't know if I've told you this. It don't matter, I, like, I love to tell it anyway. I'm gonna tell it for my sake. Yeah. I came to Barling, Arkansas, and I know I can, if I could have sent him to heaven, God said, I've had enough of this. I've let him, him waller in this self-pity long enough. I'm gonna get him out of it. He is staying too close to the wrong fire. Did you know you can get to feeling sorry for yourself and you as waller in the wrong place? Yeah. You get to burn it up with the wrong heat. Right, yep, yep. Are you with me? Yep. After a while you lose sight and you're all swept away with this other thing that's closing in on you. The the how you got a dirty dog deal. Yep. <laughs> Used to have a lady in the church where she was she was a doctor, and, and she, her, Naomi got along real good. So, she was always over at the house, and she was always talking about getting a dirty dog deal. I never could figure out what that was. <laughs> I asked somebody one time. I said, "What is a dirty dog deal?" And they said, "They don't know." <laughs> well, I found out one day. <laughs> The president of the university where she graduated, she said, come with me, I need a witness. And she, she nailed that guy to the floor. I mean, she told him how sorry that they had done her. And I was embarrassed. I was in the wrong fire that day. <laughs> I wanted to get out of there so fast. You ever get in a place you wish you could get out? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, I found out what a dirty dog deal is. <laughs> I said, Lord, I'm not going to go down there and be a mess. I'm going to go down there and maintain my testimony when I get there. And the Lord dropped the scripture in my heart. Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Mm. That got into my spirit, and I began to feel better. I got rid of the rider that was going along with me. (laughs) I said, this is in the road, bud. Get out. I can do all things. You ever heard the story about the bubble bee? I'll share it with you. The bumblebee is a scientific mystery. They do not understand, they cannot know how it works, that the body of the bumblebee is so large, the wingspan is so small, it's impossible by the laws of aerodynamics and gravity for the bumblebee to fly. You know it's an impossibility. I got good news to bring. Bumblebees can fly faster than I can run. I can guarantee that. Bumblebees can fly. I don't know how they can fly. They know nothing about the laws of dynamics. They know nothing about the laws of gravity. All they know is they can fly. When I was at that point in my life and God dropped that into my scripture, I said, Lord, I can too. I know I can too. I know I can live good. I know I can be victorious. I know I can have a testimony. By the time I got to the main gate, I was shouting happy. Woo-hoo. I'd put the devil out in Fort Smith, <laughs> and I was riding with God. <laughs> it's different who you hang out with. Yes. Yes. Oh, so Victor, I got in and went to work there. I, I worked in post transportation and the, the troop movement section. And, uh, and we handled meal tickets and TRs, people coming and going off a of post or wherever they were going. And I happened to be the one that had to come and sign for them. So they come around, and the joke was... Everybody around the office knew what the story was. Because I, I, they bring it up, I'd say, I, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I said that how many times a day. So, they made me up a name plaque and said, I can too. And put it on my desk. And people would come, is that your name? I said, no. <laughs> but it's a wonderful thing that you remind me. It's based upon the scripture. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. The devil said I'd never live for God, but I can too. And thank you for reminding me one more time. I can do it. And I don't know how many times a day I got a chance to say that. And everybody in the office knew what was fixing to happen soon as somebody would say, what is that? Is that really your name? (laughs) Uh, No, it wasn't. Uh, But I had a lot of fun out of it and they did too. But it it was one of the great messages that I could carry in my heart. I'm going to tell you what, folks, it's not going to always be easy out there. And there is an enemy that warm up the fires to attract us and draw us in, if we allow it, Amen. if we allow it. Amen. But if you come with the determination, I can do all things, right? that's saying a whole lot, folks. Yes, it is. I can do all things. That must have been a little bit of that thing creeping in on Peter there when he realizes that he's now denied But look, if you look in the second part of verse 26, and it said here, and he denied it and said, I am not in one of the servants of the Lord, of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter had just cut off, as you remember. And did I not say unto thee in the garden with him, did I see you there? He said, "No, no, 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 not me. I'm going to tell you something. When, the, when you get a finger in your face, sometimes it's hard to say, I don't know what you're talking about. Because I'm telling you what, you can get accusations, you can get things thrown at you, you can find all kinds of things that will come to charge you. That finger in your face, sometimes, don't you hate to be, be caught when you, it was just a little thing, but you hate to get caught in a lie? It was a little thing. It was innocent. But they said, well, you know, I don't believe that. I've got a witness that this. I said, oh, no. Oh, I hate that kind of thing. So it takes, it takes grace to be able to be as honest and truthful about every decision yes. that you have to make. Yes, that's huh? Amen. Amen. It's hard. Sometimes that finger. You know, uh, I took some classes one time and one of the things they were teaching us was how to get a confession out of people. And do you know you don't, I found out you don't have to know what they've done, just hold your finger in their face. And they'll think you know something you don't know. Huh. You'll keep a look and say, what are you thinking about? I know what I'm thinking. And I know what you've done. <laughs> and after a while you said, what does he know? <laughs> And you don't have to know nothing. Yeah. See, this is a part of the, uh, the interrogation. Yeah. After a while, you say, well, did you know about this? Is that what you're pointing at me for? <laughs> you're doing the talking. <laughs> I'll tell you a story on that one time. Uh, this is not anointed, but I'll tell it to you anyway. <laughs> uh, I was the dean of men at Dartmouth, Hatchet. and uh, we had um, we had an apartment. We had lived in one end of one uh, the ad building there, and then we had three wings off of that. that's where the where the all the dormitories were, and then I had an office there at the, in the building, and so I'd get up in the morning, go down about eight o'clock. And then on usually every day at 9 o'clock, we had chapel, so I would do what I call spot check. I would just go by, open a door, this and a door here, just checking, see if they keeping it cleaned up, everything was all right, everything looked okay, they wouldn't breaking up the furniture or whatever. And I'd just do that, maybe four or five in each dorm and I would move on. I got a call one day from a, a dry goods dealer there in town, a store. And he said, "Um, I think we got some pickpockets or some shoplifters from your school. I said, oh. He said, yeah, he said, "Uh, uh, we've been missing. He named over several items that they were missing, but he said, there is one thing that's missing, that would be easily identified. He described the coat. It was a coat and a very unusual description. So I would recognize that I knew if I ever saw it. So while I'm doing my spot checking, I'm watching for that coat. And one day I opened the door and there was the coat laying on the bed. I didn't say anything. I waited until everybody came back in the rooms that afternoon and went by and I told, I said, uh, whose room is this? Well, I knew whose room it was, but I kind of wanted them to know that I was uh, looking in there. And we got to talking, and I said, um, I I had a call today from a store downtown, a department store, and uh, they are missing a lot of items, and they told me they knew who got it and uh, they are fixing to take some real serious measures and probably some folks will be going to jail and definitely will be, their parents will be called and told about it. And I just kind of left it there and he said, well, what do you know? And I said, I know that there is something in these rooms that have been taken from the store. I know that. He said, well, do you, who do you think it was? I said, that's my business. I said, but there are some shoplifters here, and I'm going to find you before you go to jail. I don't want the school to be blamed. I'm going to see that you get moved out quietly to the jail. But I said, wait a minute, I might want to save you. This is going to be a last-ditch effort. If you can get a hold of those that have been shoplifting and I to bring the stuff in, I will negotiate for you with the store to get it back where there'll be no charges. Is that fair? Oh, I guess I don't know who you're talking about. I said, well, I'm (laughs) talking about the people that took stuff. And I said, maybe you could help me find them. I'm talking to the guy that's in the room with his coat. So I know I'm on, on to something. He said, okay. I will, I will do what I can. That's the way I left it. I didn't know what I was doing. I went, and the next morning I got out, came out of my apartment and started down the hall, and there was a whole string of people standing out in the hall, waiting at my door. First thing, never be shocked. (laughs) I walked up, I looked at them with that straight smile, what are you guys doing? Open the door, come on in. And they brought in shirts, coats, television sets, radios. Oh my we filled up a room. And I said, Sit down. They sat down. I said, I'm going to go talk to someone. I went over to the administration office and I said, We got a little problem here. And I said, I, and I, told them what it was. And they said, well, you're on it. You go, you go trace it down. Well, I spent the rest of the day, and I separated them, got them all in different places. You got to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. You got to get them separated where they can't talk to each other. Oh, yeah. Then you begin to interrogate them. End of the day, I figured out there was two guys that had set them up, had caused them to go shop, and they would pay them pennies on the dollar for the merchandise they brought in. And this gives them spending money. A lot of these guys going don't have any money, no job. So that was a little money in their pockets. And each time they said, you're not going to call my parents, are you? I said, if you brought everything in and if the the store accepts it, parents will never know about it. That day I made friends and enemies, but mostly friends, because they was begging me, don't call daddy. Don't call daddy. It'll be the end of my schooling. And that day, I learned something about interrogation. You don't have to know what they got, or when they got it, or where they got it. Just let them know you know they got it. Mm -hmm. And I was standing around, and by that afternoon, Uncle Al—we called him, but he was uh, the—he was over um, student body. But anyway, he said, uh, "What did they say?" I said, "You'd be surprised what they confess when they don't even know what you're knowing. You don't know nothing." (laughs) I learned so much today it's pitiful (laughs) wrong fire that's what I started out to tell you don't get by the wrong fire if you get by the wrong fire it'll burn you right (laughs) well let's turn over here I see y'all not that interested in that part of it let's let's follow this you see you can get under fire and you'll eventually confess if you really want to get clean, right? right. Okay. Well, this one over here, I knew I threw you off a little bit with that fire thing about the devil. But listen, let's get over here and about this other fire. I love this other fire, don't you? Yeah. I like the Holy Ghost fire. Boy. Amen. This is it. And uh, I'm going over in the book, of, uh, the book of Acts. Let's turn over there uh, because that's a good place to get a fire started, isn't it? Huh? Yeah. Here in the book of Acts, and I'm going to read uh, in verse 15. I think it's enough. You know that stuff about that, so I'll just kind of give you that. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names together were about 120. Keep in mind, Peter back there. He's in trouble, he's by the wrong fire. He's being accused by things, by people. He knows he's guilty, he's a dirty dog. He's a dirty, no good, good guy. And he knows he's in trouble, but something has happened. Now we're booking the book of Acts. We've had a prayer meeting and it looks like Peter's a slap dab in the middle of it. Yeah. If you make a mistake, get in the fire. It'll clean you up in a hurry. It'll burn out the drought. It'll burn out the failures yeah. in the fire. Ain't it wonderful to be in the fire? Huh? Yeah. yeah. You know, the Assemblies of God uh, is not, was said to you, they said, you're your denomination. I said, I don't belong to a denomination. They said, well, don't you belong to the Assemblies of God? I said, yes, but it's not a denomination. That's right. It's a fellowship. That's right. And I said, in the, in the charter agreement, it calls it a fellowship. It's not a church. It wasn't meant to be a church, it's a fellowship. Right. And, What happened back in 1914, in April of 1914, there were missionaries getting filled with the Holy Ghost all over the world. There was an outpouring of the Spirit of the Lord, just falling on everybody. I don't care, Baptist, Baptist, Episcopalian, Presbyterian, they were all getting anointed, but they were getting kicked off of the missions roll as soon as they found out about it. So they were coming home, without a missions appointment, without the support of a missions organization. And a group of these people got together, 300 of them got together in Hot Springs, Arkansas at the Opera House and formed what we now know as the Assemblies of God Fellowship to be able to bring together these people. It's a missionary effort. That's what brought them together. What got them to be brought, brought them into this, this uh, fellowship. What brought them into this commitment and they now have an organization that will back them and endorse them and send them back to the missions field, not as a Presbyterian or a Lutheran or whatever, but as the sons of God. They adopted four fundamentals. That Jesus Christ is the Son of the Living God. That Jesus Christ is a savior of the world he is the second coming king and he is the baptizer of the holy ghost and fire and that was the four fundamental 16 articles of faith Began to name how that they were going to be baptized in the name of the father and the son the holy ghost and they were going to see to it that they were things done in a decent and orderly fashion so that they could all agree upon a doctrine that was biblically based right. amen and i'm glad when the fire fell And there's so many wonderful testimonies. I got to throw in our person one. Uh, there was a revival up in Kansas. Uh, A lot of people were going up there, and it was a wonderful time. I know what that (laughs) felt like, you know, when they had that great revival down in in (coughs) Pensacola, Florida. Brownsville Assembly, I believe it was it. My wife and I went down there. We got there at three o'clock in the morning. I mean the afternoon. Had to line up for the service. You had to line up, we were just going around the block to get into the service that night. And we were fortunate because they asked, "Is there any pastors?" I said, "Yes." They said, "Okay, you can come to the front of the line." And I got to go in and sit down. That was wonderful. I appreciated that. But I know what the revival spirit that draws people, it gets excitement going. And uh, but they had a revival up in Kansas City, and there's a one-eyed black preacher went up there and got filled with the Holy Ghost, and he was already scheduled to preach a revival in Los Angeles. So he took off out there, full of the Holy Ghost, ready to do something. He got out there and his testimony had preceded him. And they found out about him and they said, we don't need you here. We don't need any kind of tongue talking stuff going on in this church. So he goes down to the warehouse district of Los Angeles on Azusa Street, rented a warehouse, got him two apple boxes and had revival. People were filled with the Holy Ghost. People began to get touched all over the West Coast. My wife's mother and dad were out there going to Bible college at Glad Tidings. They got in on the revival. They got anointed and they said, we've got to do something for God. And they came out of California out of that Bible college, and they started planting churches all over the southwest part of the United States, and they've got churches now. We've gone back to visit a lot of them in Farmington, New Mexico. I remember the first time my wife said, I want you to go to Farmington and meet some of my family. We went out there and we went from house to house to house. You know what it is? You go around, you don't know nobody. You know, this is Naoma's husband. This is Naoma's husband. I go to church that morning, and the pastor wanted me to speak, and he said he didn't know what to call me. He said, "This is Naomi's husband." <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I'm known there. They wouldn't. if you said, "Who's the Wayne duck?" I don't know, I never seen him before. <laughs> anyway, she never corrected it, and it's OK. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I tell you, it's wonderful to follow the tracks of a man that's done a great work for oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they had helped revivals and they started churches and they've done all kinds of work. He encouraged my heart so many times. And I know that God used that family to help me to understand my call and position. And they helped curdle that fire, that kindle that fire that needed to be stirred up. And and they just encouraged me, go out there and do something for God. Make it count this time. Do something that would be to his glory. I can tell you what, church, it's fun being in the middle of the fire. It's fun to get in the fire. I've seen some great opportunities. And let me just say this, this is not a denominational thing. Can I make that clear to you? It's just not that way. It's not a denominational thing. It's, it's a thing that flows under God's direction. And I've seen that happen. I wished I could tell you that we had a key on this thing. We've got, the, we've got an edge on it. We've got a special touch. God has a special place in his heart for us. But I'm going to tell you, God has a place for every human being. I don't care what background, what your pedigree, what your church affiliation. God can anoint and he will. Amen. God will anoint. Yes, he will. And I can tell you I've stood there and laughed. It was the funniest thing I ever saw. I saw I was in a revival one night, and there stood a very dignified gentleman, and he said to me, and I was standing there, and he said, I don't never be caught doing that kind of stuff. He had no more said that till God knocked him flat and <laughs> rolled him from one end of that building to the other on his just over and over and over and over. The time he got to the back, all the starch was gone. <laughs> don't ever say you won't do anything. God might just have a fun day yeah. <laughs> Coming up in your honor yeah. He might want to do something That you never thought about yeah. So get ready Let God turn some fire loose yeah. Huh yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've seen some wonderful things happen And I don't I can't explain it I don't even I, I got to tell you this one this, don't, this one here This is good This is good I, uh, and I don't know. I don't know how word gets around. You know, God, he'll go tell somebody, just tell on you, see what you're doing. Huh? <laughs> and that's what happened. And I had people calling me, some people in bomb holder, which don't mean a thing to you, but it was three military bases, drug, I mean, drugs was terrible, and uh, three chaplains, Presbyterian, Lutheran, and a Baptist, wanted me come for a revival. They never asked me and I never told them. I said, I would be glad to. They said, we've got a big tent rented. We're gonna be out in the sports field and, it'll, and they began to tell it and it sounded good. We got there that afternoon, the kids went with us. We took them out of school, took them up there with us. And we come into town, big banners over the street, the Christ Fest, we're gonna have a Christ Fest. That's what they call them. I said, let's go out there. I wanna see what it looks like. I went out there. Have I told you this story? I can't remember. We went out there, and there's this huge tent. Germans got big tents. They use them for the Christ, not the Christ Fest. It's the Oktoberfest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, they can make them tents. They're huge. They can put sections all in them. Well, they had a big one up out there in the sports field. And where there was people walking around, and I got out, and I intercepted one of them, and I said, um, is this where the Christ Fest is going to be held? And they said, oh, yeah, yeah. He said, we're out here praying over this right now. I said, keep it up. Keep it up. I said, I'm supposed to speak. Oh, good. We're praying for you then. We didn't know that. I said, yeah, keep it up. Keep it up. And they were all over the ground just walking and praying, about 10 or 15 of them. So that night we got there, and boy, I mean, they had, they had invited all the mayors, the burgomasters from all of the na- neighboring towns. They had brought buses in from all the different housing. They had crowd That tent would seat about 1,500, but there's so many sitting around on fenders and out, out, out there in the dark, you couldn't even tell how many was there. It was a great time. And, and they took, I don't know how much time they introduced. Everybody there had something to say. <laughs> Every, everybody had a song. Every choir had a song. I'm sitting up there, I think, well, I don't, I'll get this about midnight, I hope. <laughs> and I'm sitting up there and on the platform, and finally they, they got through the whole crowd, and, and, the two, and the three chaplains that were sponsoring were not Pentecostal, keep in mind that. Yeah. And they went over and sat down like that, the last, appeal pew over there. And I'm up here, and I'm thanking them for the privilege to come and thanking them for the opportunity and expressing my appreciation to uh, the, the Burgermasters and for all of that, uh, the, the Germans that are supporting the meeting and everything. And I, we're trying our best to make this a, a united effort. And while I'm talking, suddenly the Greys turn from me to my right, and I turned to see what they were looking at. And over there, they have a group of people they call The Satanists, they worship the devil. They go in black uh, clothes and black hoods, and that's the way you'll see them usually. And one of them had been hiding behind the tent. And when I took the platform, I didn't know. He'd come up out of the, uh, behind the tent, got on the platform, and when I turned around, he was in a crouched position, ready to run. And everybody saw what he was fixing to do and he started to run, and he hadn't gone over two or three steps till he hit a wall. And there was no wall there, but he hit one, and he fell back a little bit to try to get his balance and get ready again. When he did, the crowd went Whoo! And you could feel panic in that place, and they thought, "With they run, somebody's going to get hurt under this big tent. I turned and I said, don't anyone move. Stay right where you're at. If you know how to pray, pray. This man is not going to hurt me or you. I turned back and by then he was in a position to run again and he was getting ready to run. He was about 15 foot from me and he crouched to get ready and as he came up, I said, In the name of Jesus and under the authority of God, devil, I command you to go. When I threw my finger at him, it was like I shot him between the eyes. He was 15 foot. He flipped backwards and landing, just laying there on the, on the stage. And I thought, no, I didn't even know the thing was loaded. <laughs> I better be careful about carrying them things around. But he was down. The police were on the grounds. They hadn't already got a hint what was coming. They were coming in under the tent. And he raged up just enough to see what was happening. He took off. And he ran like mad. and The police right after him and they disappeared. Well, after that, the crowd is froze in motion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody is, is, whatever they were doing, they're still looking at that same thing. And I said, I'm telling you, I did not know this man was coming here. This is totally unknown to me. I didn't know it. You didn't know it. But the devil knew it, and he sent him over here. He came over here to disrupt what God is doing. And I'm going to tell you, The devil has power, but he doesn't have enough. That's right. Because we just saw the power of God knock this man flat of his back. Yeah. And I said, I don't know who you are. I don't know any of you. But there's only two spirits in this room tonight. The spirit of God and the spirit of the devil. If you're not a child of God, you are a child of the devil. I'm not going to mince words with you. That's where it stands. And if you're not a child of God, you're of the devil. And if you are, get up and get out here right now. I've never had an altar call like that in my life. I don't know. Hundreds got up and came forward. They were all over the place. They filled up the front. They were filling up the aisles because that was a drug ridden place. And I bet I had a bunch of druggies there that night. And I had everybody standing and I turned and looked at those three chaplains. I said, can you guys pray with me? And they said, sure. And they come over there. We started laying hands. They was watching me. I'm laying hands on them. I'm asking God to deliver them, set them free, get the devil out, forgive them and save them and touch them with the power, with the Holy Ghost and fire. And they started praying the same way. (laughs) They didn't have any earthly idea what they were doing. (laughs) And they prayed, but God honored it. God honored it. That was a wonderful night, a night of revival. I don't think you could have planned anything any better. A few months later, I was down in Verses Garden, down in southern Germany, uh, where we were going to have a retreat or something, I don't know what I was doing down there. But I was walking down the street, and I heard somebody, Brother duck!" I thought, I don't know anybody. Who's hollering at me? I looked around, and I had passed a hotel up there, and there was a guy standing out in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> So I knew he probably was hollering at me. I walked back up there and he said, we're having a chaplain's meeting here tonight. Would you come in here and tell him how we chased the devil up there at Bob Holder? <laughs> yeah, I sure will, boy. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not the denomination. It's the power of God. That's right. Huh? That's right. The power of God. And I got one more. Well, Hallelujah. Let me tell you what you can do with the fire. You know, with the fire of God, and it's the only thing that's really it. You know, I listen to a lot of preachers, and some of them are good, some of them are bad. Some of them don't have any earthly idea what they're talking about. They're just rattling. But I listened to one the other night that really did make an impression upon me. He said, we're living in dark times, and we are. Yeah. And he said, we have to have the touch of God to get through those times. We're going to have to have it, and he's right. We need the anointing of God to lead us. This is not a church thing. It's a God thing. The, The guidance, the leading of the Holy Ghost will lead us through this dark time. Churches are splitting. I can't explain it. I don't understand it, but I know this. If the devil comes knocking on my door, he's found the wrong house. Because right. I'm planning to, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens yes. me. Yes. Huh? Amen. I can, and I know I can, for God let me see that firsthand, so I know it's, it's real. And with the fire, I, I want to share something. that <clears throat> yeah, I don't care if I wipe my face, it's awful hot up here tonight. <laughs> Um, my, when I was over there, I had a mission. I covered two states, the Bad Wurttemberg and Bavaria. I lived up in North Bavaria and Nuremberg, but I covered the southern part around Stuttgart and Ludwigsburg and all in that. Ansbach, Kaderbach, Schwabach, all of that. You know where those places are, you know. <laughs> Wherever. But I'd get calls sometimes, and there's a lady kept calling me. Her name was Terry Lofkin. Terry Lofkin. And her husband was stationed at Patch Barracks. Has anybody in here ever been in the military? Never stationed in Europe. Okay. Patch Barracks is the headquarters of Europe. And in Patch Barracks, you've got more admirals and generals and colonels than you've got fleas. They're all (laughs) over the place. And uh, this woman's husband was a part of the top command over there. And they, they, they work in buildings that thick with no windows or anything because of uh, secrecy and all that kind. And Terry kept telling me, pray for her husband. Her name was Bill. Pray for Bill. So I prayed for Bill. Then she'd call me, come down here. Bill wants to get saved. I went down there and Bill was nice and he was nice to me, but he did not want to get saved. <laughs> it didn't take a genius to figure that one out real fast. I said, Terry, quit pushing Bill. You wait let god do the convicting and you sit back okay a few months i'd get another call well brother can you come down here bill's ready to get saved okay i went down there same story i said now terry you're going to turn him off before he ever gets turned on yeah. you quit pushing him okay okay she and she was good 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 lady but she wanted her husband to get saved so bad and he was really one of those officials. He's the one that would help run the war in Europe. And he was an intelligent man. You could tell by just talking with him. another three or four months, slipped away. I got a call. It was Terry. She said, Brother Duck, you've got to come. And I said, Terry? She said, no, it's different this time. You come, you'll find the difference all right i'm warning you terry i'm not coming if you uh, no no i'm not i'm not badgering him anymore okay i come down there i got there she said let i called bill and he's coming over here i want him to explain to you what happened now this is a woman she loved her husband he loved her but she had got deathly sick i don't know what it was about nobody knew in fact they wanted to send her back to the States to, to a specialist to try to figure out what was wrong with her. She was dying. Doctor told, her, told him, she's dying. There's nothing I can do about it. And so she, uh, she had, re- had just went on, had, had lost everything. I mean, she was down to nothing. She couldn't even talk. That's how, I mean, she was in bad shape. She'd have to write notes just to kind of, when she needed to get up or need to eat or anything. When I got down there, Bill was there, and Bill said, let me tell the story. And he said, my wife has been deadly sick, just deathly sick, she's dying. Doctors told me she was dying. He said, I took off work, I came over here, I've been sitting here by her bed, I wait on her head, I do anything she wants. And he said, one day there, I was sitting there, and I said, Terry, I would give anything in the world if you could just be able to be like you used to be. She took her pad, get saved. He said, Terry, I thought if that would change anything, I would get saved in a minute. She says, get saved. He said, I knew she was dying. I knew I had to grant her last wishes. So I fell down by her bed and I cried out, And I said, my God, my God, have I caused my wife to die? If I have, forgive me and forgive me of all of my failures and make me one of yours. I want to be like Terry. And he said, instantly, I felt like my soul had just went to heaven. I felt this grace, this glory, this power, this love. You know what it feels like. And he said, I felt it so wonderful. I just opened my eyes and Terry was there. And I reached across the bed and I said, And bless Terry. And she was healed instantly. <laughs> so when I got there, they both were going like this, oh, trying to tell me what had happened. <laughs> Let me tell you what, what God does is great. Yes, it is. Yes, God can do it. Yes, He can. Huh? Yes, He can. Let me tell you about this fire, it's not going out. They're going to try to put it out. That's right. They tried it, the, this COVID thing, one of the biggest efforts there was to try to destroy the church. Yeah. And it did a pretty good job. Yeah. It did a good job. 50% of the people that attended church go to church now. That's what the last statistics was. They're just not going. And and a church, one church I was pastoring up at Sulphur, running 150. I went by there, they got a for sale sign, and they have closed it down and sold the building. They just (laughs) grieved my spirit, grieved my spirit. I can't understand what's going on. There's There's a devil at work, but I think there is going to be a remnant that will hang on to heaven with the fire of God and will deny the enemy any ground, anything, any word, any action, any deed. And there's gonna be a cry made from heaven and it'll be an echo here on this earth. where come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus, we're waiting on you. And I believe that time has come. Well, I've told you all I know. Let's just praise the Lord. Would you do that, Heavenly Father? <laughs> oh, hallelujah. 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 Oh, Thank you for the fire. Thank you for the anointing. Thank you for the grace. Thank you for the glory. <laughs> Thank you. Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for everything you do for us, for everything you give us. Thank you, Lord, for our homes. Thank you for our churches. Thank you for the anointing. Thank you for the grace. Thank you for the power. Thank you for the glory of God. See, let God do something in our hearts and life. Do you want to Say. Let the glory of God, let the glory of God fall. Aren't you glad it's real? It's real. Do you you know that course? It's real. It's real. I know it's real. Dennis knows that I know. It's real. It's real. I know it's real. You know that, Dennis? Well, okay, forget it. I don't know. I'm not a singer. Never have been. But you cannot deny. I don't love to sing. See if she knows it. It's real, it's real. I, know I know it's real. It's real. This penny a no blessing this and I know, I know I know it's real.
2: It's real, it's real. I
3: know Oh yes I do. And I know, I know it's real. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Stand with us, if you will. I, I want to thank you again for tolerating us. <laughs> I guess that's the right word. <laughs> thank you for your, your encouragement. And thank you for looking like you're happy. There's a lot of unhappy people. Did you know that? I met a lot of unhappy people. I, I just want to praise the Lord. We're going to go praising the Lord. You know, it might be snowing out there. I hope not. I thank, <laughs> I thank the Lord for the snow. Yeah. I thank the Lord for the rain. I thank the Lord for the cold weather that kills the bugs yeah. and gives us a fresh start next spring. Yeah. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Go home and eat fried chicken. <laughs> 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 it's real I know oh, geez. Oh, geez.
4: My husband knew that one. He knows all the old Pentecostal songs.
3: Well, well I knew